Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Courage to Podcast. Thank you so much for listening with us and joining us as we have these fascinating, courageous conversations with so many people. I just don't even know how we got here. But today's interview is with someone who is very near and dear to my heart, and her name is Bobby Jo Bongertman. And we are talking about the courage to serve slash the courage to resiliency. You'll hear us kind of mention that at the beginning, but we're, we're focusing in on the courage to serve. And a lot of times in the beginning section of our podcast, we tell like a personal story or we talk about what, what the, the courage to whatever we're talking about that day, what that means. Um, but today we're going to do something a little different and we're going to immediately talk about what happens at the end of the episode. Whoa, (laughs) here we go. (laughs) Thinking out of the box because a question that we always ask our, our friends who are in conversations with us is what does courage mean to you? And Maddie, what happened in this interview when we asked Bobby that question? What happened? Well, it's fun. Every single week we get different answers, but somewhat in the same kind of vein. But with her, Bobby's straight out answer right after was she's like, not me. Mm. I am not courageous. And I'm spoiling this totally because that is word for word what she says at the end. But she did not think that she lived a courageous life. And that was fascinating to, to talk about with her and to kind of realign and be like, no, the reason I asked you to be on this podcast with me is because I think you are so courageous. Yeah. And we really get that kind of, you forget I think everybody forgot that there was a podcast happening in that moment because you just get this slice of just real conversation where you see um, Bobby, who as listeners, you will come to realize is an incredibly courageous person. Oh, yes. Have this just this moment where in her own life, she doesn't see it. And then you have Maddie, who knows Bobby personally incredibly well, have that outside perspective and say, like, just wait a second, wait a second, (laughs) because I know this to be true and I'm going to help you remember that this is true. And so go ahead, Manny. Which really shows the power of why we need people around us. Yes, absolutely. sometimes we do forget. Yeah. There are times that I need you to remind me of things (laughs) to be like, ah, Maddie, come on, get back. But that's why we need friends and we need people around us because we don't always see what is so clear. Like for me, when I think of courage and I think of serving, Bobby was the first person I thought of. Like it is incredible to watch her do life and I am constantly inspired by her. So it was like a no brainer, but she just lives in it. And so she doesn't see it. I'm like, let me remind you that this is something that has changed my life. And there's a reason that I wanted you on this podcast. Yeah. You need people around you who have a different perspective on you than you do because especially in seasons that are hard, you get so used to thinking about yourself and looking at your life from one angle and then you, it the narrative almost just becomes like self-fulfilling or self-perpetuating and you need somebody who can come at you from this 90 degree angle and be like that's not what I see I'm looking at something totally different I'm looking at the way things really are and let me remind you of that and then you can move forward with this different vision of yourself and what you're doing and what you're going through and stuff like that it's almost like reminding each other as a way of serving each other So with that segue, (laughs) we are going to jump into this interview with Bobby Jo Bonkerman, and then we'll be back at the end. All right. So we are here with Bobby Jo, and Bobby Jo and I have known each other for, 
Oh boy. I don't know. I should have done this math prior. I know. It was when Tessa was six or five and now she's almost 14. Almost 14. So like almost nine years. Wow. Wow. I know. (laughs) That's crazy. Uh, I didn't think it was that long. Yeah. Time flies, eh? I know. Time flies. So yeah. So we've known each other for quite a long time, which is awesome. And uh, I've gotten to hang out with you and get to know your daughter, Tessa, as we just said. Um, But I really wanted to bring you on the podcast for an episode on the courage to serve. And we're also going to tag team a little bit, the courage to be resilient. So we're kind of doing a double dose here, which is going to be awesome. But before we jump into those things, can you just tell everyone a little bit about who you are, your background, you're also studying, so you can mention that, uh, and just a little bit about you. Okay, my name is Bobby Joe. I have two kids. Um, one is 23, that's my son Kyle, and then my daughter Tessa, like we said, she's almost 14. She's so old. Yes, she is. <laughs> She'll be graduating in June. Yeah. Like two weeks, I think. By the time this podcast comes out, she will have already graduated. She will. Yeah. She'll going, be going to high school? Oh, that's weird. Going to Beale. Weird. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm excited about that. Um, so yeah, I'm in school for a medical office assistant and I'm almost done that too. So fun. Mm-hmm. And you also have like a billion other things that you've done in school. Yeah. Can you give like a little bit? Social service worker. Okay. That was my last one. Okay. And then I've also done um, aesthetics. So I did that job for quite a while. Yeah. 10 years. Um, and I'm currently working in retail. So you've got a lot of experience in different forms of studying and all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. Different occupations, working in a salon for a while, mm-hmm. retail, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so a little bit more. So that's kind of education and stuff like that. But your life has been a series of transitions. I know that over the last, I guess, nine years that we've known each other, I get bits and pieces of parts of your life and the transitions that you've gone through and all that sort of stuff. Can you just like give us a glimpse into what life was like for you growing up and how you lived through a lot of like instability and what that looked like for you? My life was, I guess, never really easy. My mom had a really difficult relationship when I was little, which in turn, she ended up having to give up my brother. And that is my brother that is in between me and my younger one. Um, And it was actually a pretty big incident. It ended up in the newspaper so, I mean, right off the bat, I think I was less than one. I right away had to start learning how to be resilient. Um, but I think it was mostly my mom watching her and how she got over, overcame a lot of these things. We did move a lot. My mom's philosophy was run. Mm. Mm-hmm. But um, I always watched how other people helped us without really knowing us. We didn't stay places very long, and people usually helped us Hmm. without a lot of problems. Um, Then I had my son at a young age, so I got pregnant with him at 18, and then had him at 19. That was quite an ordeal, just even having him. Um, Mm -hmm. The pregnancy and the labor were quite an ordeal. But, I mean, in the end, it it all worked out well. I mean, Mm -hmm. I call him my savior because Mm -hmm. he saved me from going down a, a wrong path. So, um, and then after I had him, I mean, everything was just making sure that he was taken care of. His life was good. So after that, I was like, I can't give up. Right. So. So you mentioned that like when, when you moved or when you went through transitions of whatever, your mom decided to run, 
the thing that you noticed was how people always helped you every step of the way. Mm-hmm. What what was going through your mind that that was your focus rather than falling into like self-pity or like, oh, here's another move or, you know, wanting to go down a wrong path rather than like you chose to focus on people always served and people always cared for you guys. Why was that your focus? That's what our mom focused on Hmm. always. She was always like, look at all this nice stuff people helped us with. Look at the little things people did. Right. So even if it was just giving us a bed to sleep in for the night, it was, well, at least we're not on the streets. At least we have something to eat. It may not have been the nicest meals. It may not have been going out to a restaurant or whatever, but it was always just be grateful for what you have at the moment because you will not have that tomorrow. And I think that's why, because I didn't have things always tomorrow. Um, as I think I told you once, um, I think it was grade one. I was in three different schools in three different provinces. Oh, right. Yes. So, I mean, three different provinces in one year, you don't have things for very long. So you, you don't become materialistic. You don't become holding on to what you have. What you have is your family. Mm. And what you have is the happy times, the food in your stomach, and the people that are around you. So those are the things that you have to focus on. Hmm. And just this, yeah, holding on to the gratitude. Mm-hmm. Um, Always be grateful. Yeah. For even just the littlest things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have so much respect for that. Um, so I've told you this before that I, you, when I think of like resiliency, I think of you because I'm like, you have gone through so much. And I think of the last nine years with uh, like helping with moving and then job transitions and things with your kids and like all sorts of stuff. Like you have displayed so much resiliency throughout all of that because it's, I look at it and I'm like, Oh my goodness, how is Bobby not down? (laughs) Like, like how is she not on the floor? She's just still going, uh, and still like being grateful for the things that you have. So, um, I, I always greatly respected that. So, um, through that, like, what is the thing that keeps you going? And what is the thing that you, like, I know you mentioned gratitude, but is there other, other things for you that, uh, keep you standing on your own two feet when the things around you are trying to knock you down? I just find that there's no other option. You can't give up. Mm-hmm. I know people do give up, but for me, anytime somebody is like, how can you do this? And I'm like, how can I not? Hmm. That's just, to me, there is no other option. You just got to keep going and you got to do it with a smile on your face because if you are going to be miserable and down Things are not going to work out. Things are going to go to the crapper, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's just, I'm pretty sure we've all seen that before, right? Mm -hmm. You see somebody, you can see two people in the same situation. One person approaches it happy and the other person approaches it in a miserable, one with the miserable is going to be, their outlook is going to be completely different. Right, even a simple task is, I always use dog poop, but even the, the simple <laughs> task of cleaning up dog poop, you can go in with, oh, I don't want to do this. It has to get done, yes. But you can go in with maybe asking your friends to help you or just getting it done, putting a smile on your face, maybe wearing a mask, but doing those things that you have to do to get it done. And, I mean, it's going to get done faster. It's a chore that has to be done, but it doesn't have to ruin your entire day, Mm -hmm. right? It doesn't have to ruin your whole life. You just, you get it done, you move on and 
move on to the next thing. Things are always going to get better. Things are always going to be bad, but they're always going to get better. Hmm. I heard someone, I think yesterday or today, um, it was actually on America's Got Talent. There was a, a girl that was on singing and she had cancer and she actually got a golden buzzer, spoiler alert, but she made this really fascinating comment. Um, because she said, she's like, I have a 2% chance to live because the cancer was just kicking her down. But she's like, you can't wait for life to be good to choose, like to finally be happy. Like you have a choice to be happy and to find the good in things, no matter the external circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I think like, as you said, like that's, you have a choice as to how you look at each and every situation that you're in. So Mm -hmm. I think that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so then the other thing is uh, that as long as I have known you, um, you have always had this heart to serve others, like always. Every single, like yeah, every conversation we have, we're talking about ways that you're serving other people and um, whether that be something at church, whether that be someone in your neighborhood, uh, whether that be an organization, you're just always looking to serve other people. Or letting them live with me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's an example right mm-hmm. there. Um, and so uh, can you I'll, okay, just give some more examples of like what are some of the ways that you're serving others right now? So right now I'm making food for Project Hope. So I do sandwiches mm-hmm. and hot meals. Those go out every Tuesday. So right now that's pretty much I think all I'm doing. I'm hoping to get to work with another organization downtown. Um, they've contacted me today, so hopefully I can get into there soon. Nice. Um, my small group has done a few meals and some fellowship with the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know how many things I have done with church. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so many things. Um, I just really like serving. I mean, there are so many people out there that could use your help in so many different areas. And I mean, I don't have the money to help them, but I have other talents and other ways that I can help. You might need help with getting on social assistance. You might need help just somebody to talk to or go for a walk with. Well, I can do those things, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't cost anything. It doesn't take a lot of time. Maybe somebody needs something dropped off downtown or dropped off somewhere. Why can't I help them, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just those little things. I mean, I have an extra loaf of bread. Why can't I make a few sandwiches? Mm-hmm. right so it's just those kind of things and people have always helped me I would not be where I am right now if it wasn't for other people helping mm. so. that that is so amazing like that's just the root of it is mm-hmm. you can be generous because people have been generous to you mm-hmm. and and holding to that that's that's amazing and I love how it's so simple because sometimes we think that like to be generous with others it has to be ginormous but it can be as simple as People need sandwiches, so I'll make them a sandwich. Or, um, yeah, just little things like that. Or help with social assistance. You can do that. Yep. Um, and s- taking, like, your life experiences and then helping other people with that, which is amazing. Or even just saying hi to the, the homeless person that's outside the bank. Or you see that they're not feeling good. If they might need a water. You mm-hmm. got a case of water? Pull one out. Here mm-hmm. you go. Right? I mean... One extra water out of your case isn't going to kill you, right? So (laughs) that's what I do. If I see somebody outside of Shoppers where I live and I'm going in, I'll grab them a little bag of chips or something or Mm -hmm. a chocolate bar and I give it to them on my way out. Or I'll grab an extra bottle of water. If they're two for a dollar, why not grab two? It just like oozes out of you. I know. You just have this way of just like noticing where to step in and you just step in. 
and you just serve no matter what it is, which is absolutely uh, amazing. I don't feel like I do enough, but there's so much more I want to do. Yet I look at you and I'm like, Bobby, you're doing so much. <laughs> oh, if you knew what my final goal was, I would love to have an apartment complex like mine. Yeah. That was 100% for homeless people, completely run by the homeless people with different stages. So like you come in at the bottom and then you work your way up to like maybe doing lawn care and maintenance cooking for each other, um, learning all the life skills that you need. So that way you get to the point where you can move out on your own. Hmm. But everything would be in this little community that you would need. So there would be people there to help you learn how to cook. People that learn how to teach you how to take the bus. So you wouldn't have to go around to all these different organizations. But you would also have a place to sleep every night. And it would be your own place. Because... I don't know how you're expecting to get anywhere in life if you have to return to the street every night and you don't feel safe and you don't feel protected, right? And you don't know where your next meal is coming from. So if these people could just live in a building and then they would feel like they have a purpose because they're waking up tomorrow and, oh, I have to cut the grass. Oh, I have to sweep the lobby, right? Things like that, they have a purpose. You don't have to participate if you don't want to, obviously, but that would be my ultimate goal. If I won the lottery, <laughs> that is what I would spend it on. That is my goal. Even just an apartment building. Oh, there you go. I would love that. <laughs> I think you hit the nail on the head, though, is that everyone wants purpose. Mm -hmm. And when you have purpose, you have this, this motivation and you have a sense of, well, I'm now using the word purpose again. You have purpose to, like, we're, we're designed to give back and we're designed to be in community and we're designed to serve each other and to work. And if you don't have that, then you kind of feel a little bit purposeless. But if you can give people a sense of purpose, then that's a gift. But you said something really interesting where, um, like in this dream of yours with this apartment complex, you, you want other people to be sharing and giving like the life skills that they've learned rather than going to an organization. Right. Um, what what do you see, in, and I know that you've had to deal with lots of organizations, and I know there's a gift in having the services around. Like, There's a total gift with having that. But what is the, what are the barriers that you see between you as like a person, I guess, and social services rather than going to like you and a neighbor? Like what are, what do you see as the difference there? There's too many, there's too much red tape. There's a lot of things that they can't do for you. Um, like, one of the organizations, a lot of the organizations, they teach you how to go grocery shopping, but they drive you. When you live on your own, you're not going to have a car. You're going to, most of them are going to have to take the bus. So that's a whole another skill that they're going to have to learn out on their own. But my word for it is coddling. They've coddled them. Hmm. So yes, they're helping the homeless, but they're helping them in a way that suits them. They are driving them to the grocery store. No, no. You need to teach them how to take a cab. You need to teach them how to get to appointments and time it out properly. Um, things like that. Um, there are certain things that they can't do because they're in an organization. Whereas I think, and I think too, like the, the people that are accessing the organization, they are worried to say certain things to them because or authorities could be called certain things. If you're on the same level as that person, 
you have more of a relationship with them, mm-hmm. more of a friendship, right? These people can carry out into the community when they graduate from my apartment complex mm-hmm. idea that I had, right? So it could also be friendships and other connections that they would have outside of the community. Whereas when you leave that organization, you leave the organization, you leave the people that have helped you. Mm. So those connections that you've made are now gone. So would you say for you, this heart of serving that you have, like you, you want to give tangible things. Cause like if people are hungry, you are literally the first person there giving them food, mm-hmm. like always. Um, but it seems like you're also someone who, when you serve people, you want to serve them in giving them practical skills and you want to serve them in giving them friendship. Yes. And so, so what are those like, do you have different areas of serving per se that you, you kind of touch on or you try like put your time and resources into? I would love to not only give you the food, but teach you how to make the food. So that way, but how to buy the food how to wash the food, how to prepare the food, kind of like what I do at camp. Like, But I would like to do that in a big group thing. So that way, it's kind of like Jesus. They say he, you can teach a person to fish. Like you can give a person a fish or you can teach them to fish and they can eat, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the thing. I can make you a sandwich or I can teach you how to buy the bread. Or you can do both. You can give them a sandwich while teaching them. While teaching <laughs> them, right? So yeah. this way, you are making the food. So you feel like, oh, I made something. And then you're taking it home. And if you have a family there, you can, I made this. And you can give it to your family to eat too. Or you can share it with your friends. And then if your friends or your family are interested, you can bring them with you. And then it's also other people at the cooking class or whatever that you can have community with. That on the days it's not there, there's somebody else to reach out to. So you really don't want people to have a, like an unhealthy codependency. Right. You want to empower people yes. to be, like live their life to the best ability that they can. Not everybody's going to be there for you all the time. Mm-hmm. You can't just depend on one person. You can't depend on one support system. You have to have a lot of different people in a lot of different areas. So, yeah, you need and multiple. You're, you're speaking from experience with that, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. Multiple support systems, right? Yeah. I have certain friends for certain things. If I need help in one area, I know who to call in this area. If I have problem in this area I know who to call right Mm -hmm. and moving around my whole life I haven't ever had a friend that has been there my whole life right so I've had to learn how to make multiple support systems yeah yeah Um, and living in community is definitely a big thing because community is huge for supports and encouragement and Mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff so that's awesome Um, okay so now you have gone back to school and you now have multiple like pieces of paper, basically, <laughs> that give you access to lots of different um, areas for occupations and stuff like that. Um, so what is exciting for you about the possibilities that come with having that quote unquote piece of paper and like the possibilities that come with having the education that back you up? I bet this isn't going to surprise you, but helping people, <laughs> um, since it's a medical office assistant job, um, I am hoping to get into Something along the community service lines. So that way I can help. We're all shocked. I know, right? <laughs> Shocking. Um, so I, my most, the thing I want to do the most is to help people. So that is what my goal is. So it would be, I would like to work at like inner community health or a methadone clinic. Needle exchange. That would be great. Um, something at the health unit. 
something like that. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I want to be down in the trenches. Yeah, <laughs> the most yeah. down in the trenches as I could. If they had a uh, something for like street level in the medical assistant, I would do that. One hundred percent. And that the education that's backing you up is going to open up all the doors to do yep. that. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Like the mental health ward at the hospital, anything like that, mm-hmm. I would love. Mm-hmm. to do those kind of things hmm. that's awesome um tell us a little bit about your journey of coming to know god i've always been raised i was born into a christian family so i mean knowing god was always part of my life but then after i had my son we had a little incident um with the church for a little bit so we turned around and then honestly it was you that brought us back um you and your friends when you guys came to my rescue and helped me move, that mm-hmm. was, I have never seen so many people I've never known in my life come and just help me. And I mean, the fact that we wanted to buy you guys coffee and everybody said no. And my mom had to force you guys to take it. <laughs> um, that was just the sweetest thing. And then you came back again and helped me move into my apartment all wow. again for free. We, we just show up all the time. <laughs> I know. And I mean, I'm still really good friends with most of you guys. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, that was just... And then you were like, can you just come once to my church? And then I came and, I mean... How many years ago was that? Oh, my goodness. Five? Six? Six. I think six. It was right around New Year's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was a a cool moment of everyone coming together, mm-hmm. where you needed to get out of where you were, and um, I, what, there was probably like six or seven of us that yep. just like brought all of our cars and packed it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was so fun, and all these people I didn't even know. I was kind of like, "Are you here to help me move? Who are you?" But it was it was fun. It, we it. we had a lot of fun. We did, and we moved you into a storage unit basically yep. and then when you had your place moved you back into that place yep. and we all showed up again packed up our cars i i remember that being just a fun time it like, was so fun yeah and yep. you were obviously in a that was not a great situation that you were in obviously but yeah we it found was it still fun we, yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah somehow we still had fun doing mm-hmm. it but yeah and then shortly after you came to church yep it was that new year's eve yep, yep. i do remember that yep yeah so what happened for you between like having your son to then that moment. Cause so you weren't going to church in the middle of that. So that was like quite a few years. Oh yeah. So was there something like stirring in you that like wanted to bring you back to God or were you always kind of like, yeah, I know there's a God, but never really connected with a church. Yeah, or? I kind of knew there was a God. Like I would pray every once in a while. I think if things were really, really bad, mm-hmm. but no, I was just really angry. I was angry at what happened. Um, I felt outcasted. Mm-hmm. I felt shunned. So I was just, and I think being 19 and feeling like that, I didn't feel like I should be treated that way. So. And this was because you had Kyle so young? Yes. Okay. Um, so I think I just felt really bad. And I asked you a lot of questions before I came, remember? I, I was. I like, don't actually. I was like how do you guys feel about this thing and this thing? Like I asked a few questions before I would even come. So what, what did I say? You said, I literally don't remember you this. You answered appropriately, obviously, to oh, all wow. the questions. Wow, look so, at that. <laughs> um, so I thought, okay, I'll give this church a try. And I don't like judgy, right? Mm-hmm. I think you should accept everybody 
whether you agree with what they do or not, I mean, you should just love everybody. It's not for us to judge, right? Um, and then when I went to your church, and they were just also like, hey, how's it going? And I mean, after meeting your friends, how can you not want to go? Yeah, my friends are great. Right? <laughs> so I thought, well, if they're going to be there, and they're like this, and I knew you already, and I'm like, well, if you're so great, maybe the other people there are wonderful too. People are going to think this podcast is about <laughs> boosting my ego. It's not, guys. <laughs> so after, I didn't tell her to say this. <laughs> so after going, I mean... I met all those wonderful people and and then Tessa liked going and she had already gone with you a few times Mm -hmm. before that. So she always came home with wonderful things to say. And then I just really liked going. Mm -hmm. And then shortly after that, I was baptized, I think less than a year. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I was not there for your baptism. I know. I was very sad about that. I know. Yeah. I was living in Europe. But we recorded it and sent it to you. I think mm. it was sent to you. I'm pretty sure. I have the, like your notes from what you said, That's but it. I, I didn't see it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So then I want to go in a little bit on the, the like anger with the church piece and or anger with like how people treated you because of what happened and all that sort of stuff, which um, I sometimes, I often feel like I need to apologize for the church when that happens because that for me does not represent Christ in shunning people because of things they've done or whatever that I'm so not for that. So if nobody has ever apologized to you publicly, I'm telling you that was not okay. And that does not represent Christ. Well, I don't think, um, I don't think so either. No. Yeah. Like God is total and complete love and, and he wants to journey with us through every step of the way no matter like our decisions yeah there's good decisions we make and bad decisions we make and whatever but that doesn't mean that God's not there through it all with us and willing to extend a hand of forgiveness and work with us and make situations like beautiful like he can totally redeem all things so um the judgment that came towards you I think is totally not okay um what what was the thing that helped you get through that anger like is there a characteristic of God that you like hold to um that reminds you that like that anger or let like dispel some of that anger inside of you or how have you processed the the anger that you felt based off of how people treated you I just chalk it up to that religion Hmm. Mm -hmm. and then focus on what else just focus on I just keep telling myself that that was then, this is now. Everybody makes mistakes, and it was that that person in the church, that religion, that is like that. It's not every religion, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And from what I've been reading and from what I've been seen in the Bible now, it's it's not that way. It's God is more about love and accepting accepting everybody for who they are, not mm. shunning you on your mistakes. Mm. I mean, we all make mistakes, right? I've asked for forgiveness. It was a mistake. So not a mistake. It, it had happened, right? I never want to call my son a mistake. Yeah, no, no, no. No, no, no right? No. But the situation was a mistake. Um that's pretty much it. I mean, 
mm-hmm. I just learned that he's forgiving. And mm-hmm. you can't be angry because people do things. It wasn't God that did it. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Really putting your focus on God, not the people. People. Mm-hmm. That's a good a good word right there. Mm-hmm. So now you're kind of six years, five or six years into being part of our church and on your own walk, you're now part of like a women's group and you guys meet all the time, which is amazing. Every um, Wednesday. Every Wednesday. So what does living out your faith in God look like for you now, kind of on a day-to-day basis? That question stumped me. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, just kind of, I don't know. I'm just myself. I find I don't, I am still judgy. But I, I try not to be as bad. And I try to, the funny thing is, is I watch a lot of like CSI, NCIS, um, Criminal Minds. And the thing is, is I always like, oh, there's God working in that. Oh, these aren't even religious shows. <laughs> but for some reason, I'm like, oh, there, that's how God worked in that. And like 48 hours and things like that. I'm like, oh, God saved you. So like I'm finding God even in like sitcoms that aren't written by religious people like it's weird um but that probably translates to like the day-to-day stuff right yeah like if you can see god in ncis and csi (laughs) which is which is a script written by somebody that that kind of is actually kind of cool where then that if you notice it there you can translate it into everyday life Mm -hmm. hmm You'd be surprised at where I find God in, in my TV shows. And I don't watch religious shows. So it's it's quite interesting how I can pick him out. Like you said, in a script that is not written yeah. by a Christian, <laughs> I can pick him out. So I can't say I've ever heard that before. <laughs> but here we are. I'm an interesting person. You should know that. Uh, I do know that, but everyone's interesting. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> if if you're normal, then are you even human? Mm-hmm. Um. But I think that's like so beautiful where you can pick up God in the day-to-day stuff because that's where we walk with God in every moment of every day. And if we can see him in and amongst all things, then like to have eyes to see that is so amazing. And clearly it shows that like God's working and giving you eyes to see him throughout all things. So that is a, a gift for all of us listening. Um, okay, let's transition to our Final two questions, the two questions that I ask everybody on this podcast. And the first one is, what story or person in the Bible do you tend to gravitate towards and why? Okay, so I'm going to flip this question. (gasps) Not on you, but I could not think of a story that I gravitate to. I wrote down stuff on a piece of paper. So I have come up with some verses that I think sound like me. Interesting. Okay, so, I'm ready for this. The one I asked for my my small group, I said, when you think of me, what is a verse that comes to mind? So Ooh, I love that you took these questions right? and then like brought people in to help you with it. That's right? so I fun. Because <laughs> I was like, I, I couldn't think of a, a story at all. And I asked him to help me. And I was like, I'm just going to flip the question since I couldn't figure it out. So anyway. Okay, quick pause. Quick pause here. Um, what you just said. I have to highlight. Um, so this is like the podcast of like the courage to serve and the courage, well, we're kind of doing the courage of resiliency and the courage to serve, but sometimes people 
when they have a heart of serving, they really struggle to accept help as well. And they're oh. just like, I have to give. But you, Jess, like as much as you serve, you also are so humble in receiving help as well. So you literally sought out help sometimes, from your people. Sometimes I'm good at getting That's help. true. There was a moment a couple months ago where I had to I had to force my own serving onto you. Yes. But but that's that's whatever. And you did it in the middle of the night, so I had no choice. Also that. Yes. <laughs> sneaky but that's not the point here that's not the point <laughs> the point is that you went and asked for help yes. and I think that is also something to note so I tried anyway so, keep so going I interrupted that's okay um so the one that they sent me was 1 Peter 4 verse 10 it was each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms I thought that sounded very appropriate. Mm -hmm. The other one that I picked was Isaiah fifty eight ten. If you spend if you spend yourself in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then the light will raise in the darkness and your your night will become like noonday. Hmm. And then two two Corinthians nine and then it's verses seven to nine. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that all things at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work as it is written. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteous endures forever." And then the one I like, I can never remember the verse or <laughs> what book it's in, but it's the one about sparrows and flowers, and it says that if God can feed the flowers, then God will make sure that you have all that you need in life too, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? That is one of my favorite ones. I just remember, wish I could remember the whole entire verse. Yeah, I'm sure I could look it up, but but I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, if look at how God takes care of the birds, like, and how much more he will like he'll take care of us. Mm -hmm. Which is amazing. And there's clearly a theme in all of those verses you just said. Right? <laughs> clearly a theme. Generosity and leaning on God for care and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I think that's awesome. Um, okay, last question. So this is a podcast all about courage. And I would like to know what you think of when you hear the word courage. Not myself. Tell me more. Not myself at all. Um... I think of courage as you. You went to Germany. That was courageous. I this is not the never, Maddie show. <laughs> I could never have done something like that. My mom. My mom had the courage to take care of two kids by herself. She traveled across the country. She left everything she had behind all the time. Courage is firemen. They go into fires not knowing what's going to come out of it. Courage are policemen, never knowing what they're going to walk into. I don't find myself to be courageous like that. Courage <laughs> is going back to school and praying that OSAP comes through for you so that you can pay for it. True. And, and courage is, even though you don't have all the financial resources, you still make sure that on your grocery list you get extra food to make sandwiches. Yes, I like, guess so. <laughs> that's, that is like hugely courageous because I know so many people who would be like, I don't have the financial resources, so I'm just going to like hold it all to myself. But you're like, no, I'm going to courageously step into this and trust that all of, I have all that I need. So don't you dare go there. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't find myself to be courageous at all. I mean, I find everybody else, I think, to be courageous and not myself. Hmm. So when you had that question in there, I was like, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> I could not. Uh, you gave me these questions a while ago, and I've been racking my brain ever since trying to figure out how I was courageous. So hmm. mm-hmm. I, if you said courageous, I would never have put my name on that list. Well, I'll put your name on there for you. Thank you. Even like Mother Teresa, she was courageous. She went into right down into the nitty-gritty with the people who were sick. She never asked for anything. She ate what they ate. She did what they did. Those things are courageous. Missionaries are courageous. You're walking into the unknown, right? Mm-hmm. All those things I find to be courageous. Well, if we're talking about walking into the unknown, your life has been a series of walking into the unknown, yet you've still courageously stepped in with, like, we're going to figure this out, we're going to find the good, and I'm going to seek out my people, and God will provide what I need, and all that sort of stuff. That's pretty, like, a huge example of courage right there. I guess because it's my life, so Mm -hmm. I just don't see it that way. I'm just like, oh, it's life. That's how life is. But that's not everybody's life, Mm -mm. right? So I guess in a way I can see where you're coming from. Uh, you better see where I'm coming from. True <laughs> enough, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. Well, is there any final word of wisdom, because you have wisdom, that you would like to drop on people listening about serving or about resiliency or any final thoughts you want to share? Just kind of for serving, just kind of keep in mind that it doesn't have to be physical things. It can be giving your time, helping people move, just any little tiny thing. If you're going to donate to Goodwill, maybe call up one of the organizations like um, Arc Aid or Center of Hope or any of the homeless shelters. See if they might need something first before you go and donate it. Mm. Um, if you're going to buy a two-for-one water, like I said, and you're you see the homeless guy sitting outside, just buy one. You don't even have to talk to him and just hand it to him, right? Those little tiny things... A smile. That doesn't cost you anything and it doesn't take time. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't even have to give them time, just a smile. Sometimes a smile is all they need. Right? So just anything like that. And I mean resilience, as far as I'm concerned, there is no point in giving up in life. You just gotta keep going. Mm-hmm. Things will always get better. Yes, they will get worse, but they will get better. Well, they do say, it's, especially if you're renovating a house, it's always got to get worse before it gets better. Yep. And like my group said yesterday, everything, that, everything bad happens to you gives you an opportunity to teach somebody else in the end, right? Mm-hmm. So you just got to keep that in mind. Every bad thing that happens to you is an opportunity. God is giving you that opportunity to teach somebody else or to inspire somebody else or maybe somebody else is watching and you don't even know mm-hmm. that you could be helping them. Right? So just those little things. Any little thing can help. I love it. I love it so much. I make my kids help. So <laughs> they, I, what is Yep, it? you do. Unwillfully volunteer. Hey, but you're t- like teaching and modeling it for them. So mm-hmm. while they drag their heels. <laughs> yes, exactly. But I make my friends. Sometimes they don't even know. They give me clothes. And if they don't fit me, I donate them out. Or I'll ask people, do you have any extra coats? I asked so many people at church the last time it was open, do you guys have any extra men's coats? Because I knew Project Hope needed men's coats, right? And mm-hmm. I went and collected them, and some people dropped them off at my house, and then 
it didn't take them any extra time. I bagged them up, and when the lady came to pick up the stuff for Project Hope, I just dropped off, right? So Super simple. Super simple. And, I mean, who doesn't have clothes that don't fit them? Who eventually you're going to get rid of stuff, mm-hmm. right? So just those little things. Donate to the food bank instead of throwing it away. Mm-hmm. So it's constantly just living a life aware of living beyond yourself. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. And that can keep you grounded throughout all things. There's those buy or buy nothing groups on oh, yeah. Facebook. Yeah. You could even do that because there's a lot of people on there that need those things. Mm-hmm. So if you're not looking to make money, if you're going to donate to Goodwill anyway, why not try some of those places first? Because obviously if you're going to donate it to Goodwill or thrift stores, you're not looking to make money off of it. So see if somebody who might need it could mm-hmm. use it because even though goodwill and all of those places are cheap cheap isn't free and sometimes people need free right so mm-hmm. that's how i see it wow so much to chew on with this and i i've had nine years of conversations like this with you and i know that i've learned a whack about serving and living generously so uh that's part of the reason I well a big reason I wanted to bring in the podcast because I'm like people need to know what Bobby Joe thinks because (laughs) it challenges me in so many ways so thank you for being on the podcast and uh thank you for asking me yeah I'm so glad you could be here and uh yeah and as always for people who are listening if you ever want to reach out and hear more then definitely do that and uh, I hope that this has challenged people to want to courageously step into serving no matter your circumstances that you're in. So thanks again. Thank you, Maddie, for having me. Well, I have so much respect for Bobby Joe. Oh, absolutely. So much respect for her. And as I've said now multiple times, I absolutely love doing life with her. And uh, what's fun is she's actually, uh, I asked her a couple weeks ago if she would be like the kitchen manager, quote unquote, at uh, our one church location because I was like, I need someone to just care for the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So I called her up and she was like, hey, I'm actually looking for extra kitchen space to make sandwiches because that's what Bobby does. And so she was like, can I have like borrow the kitchen space at the church to make sandwiches for people? And I'm like, well, obviously, yes. But then I'm like, would you also be willing to just like take care of the kitchen for me? And she's like, obviously, yes. That's <laughs> like, so awesome. Like it doesn't take any pulling of teeth. Yeah. to like any opportunity for her to just serve other people she'll be there it's amazing and if you meet bobby in person the first thing you notice about her is that she's so like happy and smiling and she wants to say hello to you and greet you and yeah i just yeah bobby's just great <laughs> yeah yeah one of the cool things that she said that i really loved is that serving others is all about noticing mm-hmm. what do you think about that as soon as I heard that it just, this memory kind of came into my mind because of how true I think this statement is. Um, I was, uh, several years ago now, I was relatively new at, at uh, working in a position sort of of leadership within a youth group. And our, we had taken our students on a retreat, which are always tons of fun and they're always totally crazy. <laughs> and we have the kids take turns doing kitchen cleanup at the end of the night. And I was in charge of supervising and I was new at it, right? So I wanted to do a good job and everything was going terribly right from the start (laughs) because um, the crew had spilled water from the dishes all over the floor, but then they were also wearing their shoes. So then the kitchen was just absolutely muddy and the dishwasher was jammed and um, there was water actually actively spraying everywhere. A couple kids were 
soaked and I was trying to do a good job and I classic youth retreat I was I just felt very much like I didn't even know where to start (laughs) to begin to correct this I did not know how to fix the dishwasher (laughs) and I could not stop the water from spraying everywhere and I became I was paralyzed I was supposed to be in charge and I just kind of stood there and I I just did not know what to do and it was one of the students actually who had kind of just been standing there not really participating but not really like acting against the craziness that was just ensuing and he looked over I remember him like looking at me kind of like I think I was about to cry (laughs) and he noticed that I was in this moment of like paralysis and he just stepped forward and said okay we're gonna do this now and he took over the water spraying job and stopped the you know spraying of the water and just moved all the rest of the students around, delegated tasks, and said, somebody mopped the floor. Boom, done, 30 seconds. He saw, he noticed that I was unable to lead in that moment, stepped in quietly, did the leading, and then stepped back in time for me to sort of snap back into it and carry on. And it was very... You know, some people, when they see that you need help, are all about the helping. I am helping you. Don't worry. I know what to do. Like, very, they, it's very obvious that you're stuck, and it's very obvious that they're helping. But the the reason this always has stood out to me is it's such an example of somebody noticing that there is a need and then just doing it without any show or fanfare or taking of um, glory or without throwing me under the bus because he was a student and I was a, a leader. I was on staff and I very much should have been, been the one to fix the problem. And it wasn't like, ooh, look at me better than the staff member over there. It was just he just did what needed to be done and then stepped back again. And that I just think it's a great example of this this noticing and this mm-hmm. quiet but so genuine and so helpful service to someone in need. Yeah. I really think there's an art behind noticing. Mm, I do too. Yeah, yeah, there really is. Because you have to be constantly aware of what's going on around you. And it it requires a uh, not being self-absorbed. Yeah. Because you have to be aware of like, what is going on around me? And how can I then step in? Yeah. And yeah, it's such a powerful tool of, of noticing those things. And it also takes some creativity. Sometimes you can notice these ways that you want to step in and serve somebody else in some way, but it might not be a black and white answer. It might be something totally random. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not these uh, this list of like, these are the five ways that you can serve people. It's, okay, I see this person is in need and I'm noticing that maybe this is their experience or this is their emotion or this is where the gaps are. How then can I step in and serve in that way, in whatever way that means? Sometimes it's taking that person and sitting with them and meeting like an emotional need. Sometimes it's like in your case, meeting a very tangible Tangible need need. (laughs) and letting you like get yourself together, but then taking the reins. Uh, So there's, there's so many different ways that we can notice and then step in and serve other people. And I promise I'm not doing this just because it fits the podcast, but I do think it takes a lot of courage or bravery too, to notice and then do something about it. Because the amount of times that I have noticed a need and then personally felt so insecure or like, oh, they don't they don't really need my help or they won't like it if I step in. 
or what if I offend them? I'm going to go yeah. over there and then by the time I get there, the need will be resolved and I'll just be left standing in the middle of the room and everybody's going to look at me and think, why did she get up and leave her seat when nobody else is? Like, <laughs> And a lot of times I just don't move. I notice and I don't move because mm -hmm. of fear. So I think people who not only notice but then go, I can do that. I'm going to try because they need help. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't work out, it's fine because somebody else helped them. They're great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of courage to that. And I think people who who are very good at this often don't think that it's something that takes a lot of courage because they're like, oh, it's just natural. I just did that thing. Mm -hmm. But it's not natural for all of us. And I do think it's it's a really, really good quality. Yeah. And I think there's two ways of like noticing and serving as well. There's like the proactive and there's the reactive. Mm. So sometimes it's the, I notice it in this exact moment. So like the student yeah. noticed a need right then and he just reacted in yeah. a way of like, I noticed this and I'm reacting right now because the need is right now. Yeah. And that is how I'm going to serve Olivia. But in a proactive way, like one example that I'll give is there was a, a small group of people from our church in a couple months ago in the middle of the pandemic noticed that the teachers around us were just totally exhausted and we partner with a couple different schools came together they wrote a whole bunch of handwritten cards there's some gift cards in there and then they went out to all the staff so they proactively were like we we see this need of teachers and administrators just being totally exhausted how can we then proactively step in and help this so it wasn't like as urgently reactive but like, it was proactively there's like a disaster right now that yeah. we have to prevent but instead they were like how can we work to prevent a potential disaster yeah. from occurring or I'll, yeah like no one asked this group to do that yeah but they were like no we want to do this the need anyway. wasn't as tangible in an immediate sense yeah yeah so there's yeah when i think of just noticing there's the the proactive and the reactive so it's good it's amazing and with that, we will close off this week's episode on the courage to serve slash the courage to resiliency. Wow. Congratulations, Bobby Joe Bungertman. You got a double title. <laughs> you are special. <laughs> and, and you, our listeners, are so special too. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you again next week. <laughs> <laughs> the feeler of Olivia coming out. She's so good at affirming. Let me affirm your affirmations. <laughs> Thanks, Maddie. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week, everybody.